episode 16 of All About the Birds. Johnny Lecca here with Phil Stifel and Jeff Warner. We're going to go over Doug Peterson at a press conference, Zoom call, and also at a radio interview. We're going to, you know, touch on a, a bunch of notes, um, a bunch of things that he talked about. And... Jeez. What is that? Jeff's at the beach, so he's all... Uh, yeah. Must make, have been a wind tunnel there or something. Making tons of noise. Yeah. I'm outside, dude. I'm just outside enjoying the fresh air. We had any better weather than Phil did the last four days. Oh, I saved so. it all for you. I sat inside a hotel room in Ocean City for four days, and you're already burnt like a red lobster. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was a nice day. <laughs> so the first thing I want to touch on with his press conference is... You know, he, he mentioned about the, the Brandon Brooks injury. He touched on it. Um, you know, he said stated his, his heart sunk when he heard the news about uh, Brooks going down. And, you know, they're going to be looking at internal options right now. They're not going to jump at any decision to uh, try to add someone. You know, you're still in – you're in the middle of June. So – and I know, Phil, you were saying something about you watched um, a video uh, uh, with Trey Thomas, Trench Talk, about yeah. Matt Pryor. Yeah, Trey Thomas's trench talk does – he does a really great job of breaking down the not-sexy position of the offensive line and really does dive into it deep. And, you know, you, there's not really stats to break down per se with offensive linemen. But uh, I watched – he had about a 15-minute video. I don't know if he posted it last night or today. I watched it today. And some of the notes that I wrote down on it, um, first off, after listening to him talk, I'm much more confident that Pryor can step in and actually perform – um, but his, his description of Matt Pryor is that he's a long, strong man with violent hands, great timing, uh, and great footwork. Um, if you watched all the – so he, he cut together like you know, 20, 30 plays. And on every run play, Pryor was in the right spot on the zone runs, the, the zone reads, everything. He was in the right spot. He has some issues with the blitz packages and the blitz pickup. But most of the time that he got – hurt was when Lane Johnson was not in there. So every play when he was in there before Lane Johnson got hurt, Pryor had no issue. So you putting him in between Lane Johnson and Kelsey, he should have no issue, at least in Trey's opinion, of doing it. He did say he thinks he needs to have more dog in him, but he, he thinks he could be a nasty guy and you're not you're gonna have a drop off of uh, you know off of Brooks, but not as much of a drop off as most people think. I would say, I would say uh, Trey does a great job analyzing, like you said, but and I would say we touched a little bit on it the last episode. Uh, that I would say prior, I would say he he he, he played well. Uh, he played well towards the uh, last couple games that he stepped into uh, stepped in for Brandon Brooks. But anytime you lose an All Pro talent like Brandon Brooks, I would say your offensive line is going to take a huge hit. I would say whether it's Pryor's uh, free agent. I'll say I, I feel Pryor can step in there and play to a decent level, but he's not going to play to the level of Brandon Brooks. And no, well, nobody is. No. And I'll say, I'll say when we're already talking about this football team already having a bunch of issues and question marks, it just brings up another question mark. I'll say, can Matt Pryor step in and be a serviceable offensive lineman for our offense? And I would say until we see more tape of him, he play, he, we only have a limited amount of tape on him. I would say he only played 70, 79 snaps last season, and he graded out pretty well according to Pro Football Focus. He didn't give, out, he didn't give up any sacks, which is a positive. He is well. He does a well, good job in the run game. 
But until we get a full workload of him, we, we don't. We honestly don't know what we have with Matt Pryor. And yeah, for, for his limited amount. Sorry, I just wanted to touch on one yeah. thing there. The, for the limited amount of you know snaps that he had, the one thing Trey Thomas kept saying on every video, and he was putting a plus or a minus next to each clip, was that every single video, even when he got beat on some blitzes he was in the right spot all the time so even as a young player he has a pretty good understanding of where he needs to be he just needs to get a little quicker a little bit more experience on certain types of blitz prop or blitz plays and you know that 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 shows that Jeff Stoutland is coaching these guys up for him to be in that position in the right position where he's supposed to be and it, show, it shows to the coaching of Stoutland. And to bring up another another uh, player that Peterson mentioned and touched on um, who was injured last year and coming off injury is Alshon. And, you know, from what he said, that Alshon's going to be back and he's going to be counted on from everything that he said. And the more and more uh, time goes on, I feel like he's the type of player that, you know, he may not be on the pup list. He may do what they did in 2018 in terms of keep him on the roster because he may be back. I don't know because I, I saw something today that um, he's looking really good and he's going to start running soon. So right there is a really good sign, and it's only the middle of June. So that's yeah, I, I, I could totally see him only missing two or three games potentially, which then, yes, they maybe keep him off the pup list and all. But, uh, you know, every, everything says that rehab's going well and all, and we need – Alshon to step up. We need him to be in there. Whether we have a dislike for him or his contract or whatever everybody thinks of him with the potential with the Justina Anderson stuff and all. But um, John Clark quoted was quoted as saying that he asked and talked to a whole bunch of people that have been in contact and working out with Alshon Jeffries. And and every single person says you could tell that Alshon has a major chip on his shoulder. Something majorly to prove this year. So, I mean... I, we can only hope because, you know, we, we've talked about it ad nauseum that our wide receiver core is pretty weak right now. So we really do need him to be healthy and ready to go and, and step up to an extent. And, you know, he's – he's, and I saw the same thing with the interviews and everything, that he's talking with the young players and interacting and really, mm-hmm. you know, being that vocal def- – uh, vocal uh, veteran leader type of thing that you really didn't he, – he's a quiet guy. So that's that, that's one thing that you know the positives of that are really really good in that he's showing to be a leader on the team where a lot of people question him and being a vocal guy and um, towards the team. Anything? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was say you guys are cutting it out. My cell service is horrible here right now, but. I was like, I caught a little bit of what you guys had to say about Alshon, and I'll say hopefully for the Eagles, for the Eagles' offense, that he is able to get healthy, get back on the field, and show us uh, the type of player he was during that Super Bowl run. I'll say the only question mark is, I'll say if he does come back, I'll say how, how's that going to affect the? I know some of the articles I was reading, how's this going to affect the uh, development of uh, Jalen Rager? I'll say your first round, uh, your first round draft pick. You're you're hoping that he can get on the field, get a lot of snaps. I would say with uh, if Alshon's on the field, Deshaun's on the field, that takes away snaps from uh, from Jalen. I understand that a lot of the packages are going to be three, four wide receiver sets, but I'll say that that's the only thing I'll say. If the Eagles are winning games, that's all that matters. But 
Right, well, the whole Reger thing, they, they, he did specifically say, Peterson, that they're going to stick Reger just in one spot. He is going to be that Z-roll guy, that backup to Deshaun Jackson. So maybe they're not expecting quite as much from Reger as most people are. Um, you know, he will draft. Well, it, it, it is. If you're going to draft someone in the first round, you want to play. comes from Eagles management and, and the Eagles coaching staff. That I would say they draft these guys. I would say you expect your first, second, third round picks at least to go on the field and become immediate impact, uh, become step on the field and have immediate impact for your team. And then I would say they're going to talk about just having limited packages and limited play calls specifically for him. It, I don't know. I, I, it's, just, it's just one of those things that bugs me with our with our front office and with our coaching staff sometimes that they go in here and they try to they try to hype us up and tell us all this stuff about a player and how they have high expectations for him, and then they tell us stuff like this, where he, 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 he who knows how much he's going to really contribute in his rookie year. Well, I, I, the, uh, the Reger thing, I don't remember who wrote it, but somebody wrote about like a response to that Reger comment that that was the problem with Ortega Whiteside. Yeah. The beginning of the year and in the offseason before the season, he was only told to focus on one position, being Alshon's backup. Yep. And then all the injuries to all the other spots... He had to step in and had literally no experience and no training in running that, those routes in that position, and that's the problem. So that it's we're basically setting Reger up to have the disappointing season like Ortega Whiteside had. So I, I, it, I think it, it definitely plays into the coaching and the front office and how they run the wide receivers and why we always have problems with wide receivers developing. Well, with 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 Rager coming in and learning, you know, one position, the Z the Z position, um, the the thing with it is, is that you hope that Deshaun stays healthy, Goodwin stays is healthy and makes the team and everything. But that again, it's ifs. So you 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 hope that him learning one position he doesn't get like with with Ortega Whiteside and he struggles with trying to learn a whole bunch of different positions and he had an injury too that he played through just because of the position was so decimated but I, I, I think Ranger is going to do okay I'm not, I'm not expecting a Pro Bowl season but you know I'm expecting that he can at least contribute you know seven, eight hundred yards receiving for them and you know to be some type of deep threat that they need on this in this offense way that Deshaun, not Deshaun, that Doug Peterson was describing how they're going to groom Reger, they almost don't even expect Reger to be on the field at first. I mean, the way they have it set up, it sounds like they're going to start Deshaun Jackson, Ortega Whiteside, and Ward in the slot. Is At least from listening to him, that's how I took that. And that Reger's going to be your number four or five on the bench to start. And that's not what you expect out of you know, a top first-round draft pick. And that's, that, that's the front office, and that's the coaching staff not coaching these guys up properly or picking the right players at the right spot. Well, then, I would say, speaking of the front office, I would say something else that came out of that press conference is Doug Peterson openly admitting that they let a veteran running back slip right through their fingers. They, they targeted, uh, targeted the guy, and they let him sign with someone else, and then he openly come out and said that, granted, you have to take sometimes what they say with a grain of salt. They're not going to give you their full game plan, but... The fact that he came in and to- told and said openly that this is the, probably the roster that the Eagles are going to go to the training camp with. So yeah. from the sounds of it, unless they decide to go with uh, someone, uh, they said they might draft or uh, sign a uh, free agent offensive lineman, depending what they look at, uh, who's available, a.k.a. JP. But I'll say right now, this, this is the team you're going to, to training camp with and possibly the regular season. So I'll say they didn't upgrade, they're not going to upgrade at running back. 
They didn't. Who knows what they're going to do with the offensive line? They're not going to upgrade at receivers. Granted, who knows if they decide to sign or trade for Jamal Adams? But we'll which, see. which we'll touch on a little bit later. But with with because missing out on veteran running back to me that's that screams Carlos Hyde because he's the only really veteran running back that signed with another team in terms of yeah. Seattle. So, and the thing is, Doug talked about. Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders is the number one guy. He's going to take the bulk of the carries, which we all figured that, and we all knew that. But they – to me, it's, it's okay. There's no need to sign a vet right now because you want to let Camp decide whether or not you need a running, running back with, with all the other guys and Scott and Clement and Elijah Holyfield and, you know, with Warren and Killings. You mentioned Holyfield when he was breaking down – the running back room. So, I mean, he touched on the other guys, but he did mention Holyfield and how he's been here from, you know, late last year. So I guess they have an ex- expectation for him to be the fourth running back yeah. at this point. Let, 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 let that running back room weed itself out. Let the guys who weren't that great weed itself out. But the other thing that I saw was very interesting that I want to touch on and talk a little bit about is that possibly the, the practice squad is going to go up to 16. Johnny cut out? No, you're good, Jeff. What did you say, Johnny? I said that, um, talking about the practice squad, in terms of that it's going to be 12 this year, but they're talking about possibly extending it to 16. So get more players because of the whole situation. You get more players. They're they're definitely going to have to expand rosters to an extent, or at least some kind of protections on players, because you have a team have three or four guys you know, get sick, you're going to need to have backups ready to go to step in. So they're going to have to come up with some something there. I'll say, I'll say, the, I'll say I know you touched on the thing, the one of the most important things, which is get, catching a lot of news, is uh, Doug Peterson's response to Roger Goodell's uh, statement about, uh, he said he's for teams signing Colin Kaepernick, and then of course, uh, uh, Doug Peterson comes out and he said he would open to have Colin Kaepernick as a Philadelphia Eagle, which causes a huge, I don't know, I'll say a huge media buzz right now, say the fact that the Eagles can come out and, I don't know, I'll say, what are your thoughts? Well, Kaepernick, I, I mean, we, have, we haven't talked about Kaepernick yet on this show. Um, I am a huge Kaepernick supporter. I'm a huge person that says that he was screwed blackballed out of the league i mean he was no you know top 10 top five elite quarterback like you know carson wentz ever was but he was a really good serviceable quarterback and he was someone that did not deserve whether your whatever your political opinion is on the kneeling that did not should not have caused him to be kicked out of the league and they they took away three four years of his you know prime playing days he's gonna be 33 in november yeah so, I mean, he should be on a team, but I want him to be on the right team, a team that's going to actually give him a shot to compete for playing time or shot to be a serious number two backup, you know, behind somebody, like a Lamar Jackson backup or something like that. Which isn't the case in Philadelphia, unfortunately. Yeah, he, he would not fit in our room whatsoever. I know the whole Doug Peterson comments about the situation are being blown way out of proportion because what, what, what else he's going to say? He, 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 every coach on every team is getting asked. 
Yeah, he, he asked, he's going to give you the politically correct answer, just in fact, just in case, because what happens if he said, no, I don't want Colin Kaepernick, and, right. and all of a sudden, front office decides to sign him. I'll say it's a black eye on him and a black eye on the organization. And I, to me, I, I agree exactly with what you, feel, uh, what you said, Phil, is he got screwed by the league. There's no reason why he shouldn't have been, even if he wasn't a starter, I don't care. He still was better than at least a handful of starters that have played the last four years. And he could have been a backup for somebody. And the thing that them not letting him because of their own their own feelings and what he did, which really made absolutely no sense. Because what he did was he was trying to do it on a different on a bigger stage and let people notice. And my my thing with it is that he should absolutely get a shot. And I know the Chargers were a team that we're gonna. I guess he's getting a tryout. Um, no, he's not. That's a misreport. He is not getting a tryout. Uh, she's not getting a tryout. Everybody overreacted to that. The coach said that he is on their workout list. If somebody gets hurt and they need to bring somebody in for a workout, he is on the list. Uh, Jeff just left us. Yeah, that's okay. He's having technical issues. Yeah, technical looks issues. Like, looks like he's walking around, and I'm getting dizzy yeah. watching him. Yeah, uh, but no. no but yeah, so so he was not actually given a workout. They just said because every team has you know if when someone like Brandon Brooks goes down, yeah. every team has five guys that they they already have on a list. Oh, these are free agents available. We'll bring them in to work them out and pick one if they go down. Yeah. So Kaepernick is at the head of the list of quarterbacks that if they meet a new quarterback or a fourth quarterback, he's going to be the first person they bring in. But they did not actually schedule a workout with him. Mm-hmm. And. You know, good, good for him. Hopefully, he gets a job. He deserves. He deserves a chance to show what he had. Yeah, he's he's a little bit older, but even if he comes in as a backup and learns a system for a year, same thing with when when Michael Vick was out. It's a different scenario, of course, with Vick and everything. But Vick was out um, a couple of years and worked his way back, learning, sitting behind McNabb and everything to kind of get yourself from back, get your feet back wet in the, you know, the NFL. So I really hope he gets a shot. He deserves a shot. Um, and to prove all the doubters wrong and to prove everybody wrong to, to say, well, he's missed all these years. I don't think he can do it. I, I, I just want to see him shut everybody up. That's my biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, I, so with the time frame that he's missed, though, I was watching, I forget who it was. Both guys were on the show. I forget which guy brought it up. It was either Theo Riddick or Dan Rovlosky brought up. They actually broke down. So at the time, you know, Vic missed less time, quote-unquote, because of his jail sentence. Yeah. But from the time Vic missed, until he actually got into a regular season game, mm-hmm. if Kaepernick got signed and made a team this offseason, it would be pretty much the same exact time frame. So Vic had some of those, you know, you know, training a little bit more yeah. training camp time and stuff. But time frame overall from start to start, it wouldn't be that much of a difference. But the th- and but Vic probably wasn't staying quite in football shape in exactly. jail. I was just about to say that. Kaepernick, who's been in a, a real gym and training this entire time. Yeah, and I was about to say that too. Vic was in prison so he wasn't working out with the football throwing the balls you know stuff like that doing drills and everything that Kaepernick has been doing so the type of shape Kaepernick is in maybe a little bit better is just learning a new system and everything and you know hope he gets a shot and I saw another yeah, I, thing I think, I think he'll get a shot somewhere and um, unfortunately I don't want to you know get political at all I think the current situations in the world today yeah. is going to almost force a team to give him a shot yeah. So, you know, whether he was blackballed by the owners or not, I don't know. But now they all realize that they have to stop doing that to him. So he will get a shot. I just want to be in the right place, a place that's going to let him grow, 
you know, whether it's a place like in you know Chargers where he could actually beat out Taylor for the starting job briefly yeah. till uh, what's his name Herbert gets uh, takes over, or he goes to a team like Baltimore who needs a backup for Lamar Jackson, who you know well, they have RG three. Kaepernick but... would Kaepernick would match up and be able to switch. You know, you yeah. wouldn't lose a beat going from you know Jackson to Kaepernick style wise. Yeah, and I also saw that I know it's a a little bit off the topic, but. Uh, another player, uh, Josh Gordon, I guess, uh, wants to be reinstated. Applied for reinstatement or whatever, but that's a player he hasn't he hasn't really showed you anything in four oh, years. Jo- Josh Gordon would be on the list exactly with Antonio Brown, and I know I've gotten yeah. for one Antonio Brown on this team, or at least looked at by this team. You don't let a guy of Josh Gordon's talent. He's missed a lot of time, but when he was healthy with the Patriots, even last year, you know, yeah. he still put up for some pretty and, solid numbers. And the thing is. You know what he's been suspended for was weed, which they're not really and they're not enforcing now. So not anymore. It's, no. It's, so it's, now you, which I don't know why they enforce it anyway. But yeah, and you know I same thing with him. I hope he gets a shot. I've always liked his talent. I've always thought he was a good a good player and everything. You know I hope he gets a shot with somebody. Um, so and the other thing that uh, Doug talked about is you know I guess them them using the link uh, the link about for training camp and for different things about you know it's a bigger place with social distancing and stuff like that where they can actually because because i think they, they could probably use both locker rooms and kind of social distance because when you have 90 players you need to kind of you know do that and, and they're going to do with all the the protocols and everything wearing the mask and everything which is good and um it's a good to have another Store so some they could use the Novacare complex, but they also can use the link, which is a good thing to have for yeah. the Eagles. And you could use one, and then the next day the other. While you're using the other, you could be sanitizing and disinfecting exactly. the other one. There's going to be so much that comes out between now and what did they say? There's 83 days till the first game of the year. Yeah, you know, there's going to be so much that comes out on, you know, what restrictions are put in place for the NFL. I mean, it's a lot different than basketball and hockey and baseball because the teams, the training staff, and the just coaches there's so many more people involved in an nfl roster versus the other sports so there's going to be a long long laundry list of rules and regulations and the eagles are just going to be like every other team it doesn't hurt or help the eagles it just you know at least they're already preparing for what's coming because they're going to have to yeah yeah you know absolutely it's 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 the it's the new norm, I guess you can kind of say. It is the new norm. And so, we, I, I mean, I have, don't want to get into basketball or anything, but they just started releasing some of the rules and regulations that each player and each team was going to be enforcing. And it's, it, if you read it, I mean, it's a lot to pay attention to. It's a lot oh, yeah. to it, – it, it's bound to happen that some football player or basketball player or whatever sport, they're going to come down with it in the middle of the season. And the teams are going to have to react quickly so that we don't have to stop a season. Yeah, so it's 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 something that we're all gonna have to get used to. But for um, we're gonna take a brief uh, brief moment um, to listen to a word from our sponsors. Alrighty, guys, we're back, and we're gonna touch on two more things that. Don't... Real quick, though, I just want to interrupt you. Yeah. You know. If you've hung into the episode this far, thank you. Because we had some technical issues last week with my Wi-Fi sucking, and now this week with, yeah, you know, this episode with, uh, what's his name? What's our co-host's name? I forget his name already. Yeah, right, Jeff. Jeff. We want to forget his name. <laughs> Jeff, the professional, 
you he's know, out, walking he, on the boardwalk trying to record, I'm sure the audio was pretty darn awful for the uh, you know first ten minutes before we kicked them off the show. Yeah. So if he, if he returns, he I highly doubt he will. But uh, if he does, he does. But uh, the two things with um, Doug, I'll, the first one I'll touch on is the Jalen Hurts. He says Hurts is progressing. So, you know, I don't know what that means, that he's, he's looking yeah. good. You know, what, is, what, what can you really – he looks great when I see a workout of him. Or, you know, it, unless it's meaning he's grasping the knowledge of the playbook. But, again, what does that really mean? Hopefully, well, they're it's... having a lot. They're having a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of Zoom meetings, and I think all he's trying. To, I think he feels obligated to talk about Hertz because of the controversy of us drafting him to begin with. And all he's really saying is he he's grasping the mental side of it. They're running plays. I don't know how on a Zoom, but they're running play, like digital plays on a Zoom, and he's grasping the play. He's learning it. He's learning how to call it out. He's learning where everybody's supposed to be. But really, learning on a laptop compared to doing it in person are two totally different things. So I almost think that I think Doug felt the need to say it, but I think he actually makes himself not sound quite intelligent enough by talking about it because you're really not, you're not learning anything, not on the field. You have to get on the grass. I think was the phrase he used even, but yeah, he's definitely supposedly mentally, you know, strong and growing right now. Yeah. And hopefully it's a great thing. And I want him to be growing and, be an asset to the offense to use them in multiple sets, multiple dimensions, and to be able to disguise and confuse defenses to help the Eagles basically take an extra step in terms of the offense, in terms of what they do. Kind of like how Baltimore kind of used all those running backs and with Lamar Jackson and everything and did a whole bunch of different things. You know, it's something that hopefully they can somewhat use in a package that they can implement this season but i still i still don't see hurts having much of a package this year honestly i mean with the lack of an off season with the lack of training camps and stuff i mean he's not going to want to be a you know a Taysom hill fullback kind of runner i mean his agent's going to be in his ear telling him dude don't go hurting your shoulder because you're running up the middle on a on a draw play yeah. um i i just i don't see enough positive in him doing that and him wanting to do that he's going to want to grow in this quarterback factory that we have into a really good nfl quarterback and yeah i i I don't understand it still and the mental side of things sounds great but let's let's just not talk about him and i mean that towards not us i mean doug don't talk about him until we actually have some on the field video of what he can do yeah and it's funny, quarterback factory, a factory. Yeah, what are they gonna? He's got not pay, not getting paid that much, and they're gonna try and work him to work him to death. I, I just think of every time they talk about the quarterback factory, and then every time they talk about how he's gonna be that Taysom Hill, I think about Steeman Willie Beeman from uh, that really <laughs> awful football movie, and he was made Any into a quarterback, Sunday. hurt his shoulder, and then goes back to the other team, and you know he's got a bad shoulder and all. You know, I know it's a stupid movie, and it's an awful movie. But that's kind of what I think about when I hear those kind of comments. Why are you going to want to risk your shoulder yeah. to be a fullback? We'll see. Uh, the other thing you wanted to touch on was, you know, Doug yeah, mentioned but, about the demonstrations. 
well, we know everybody's going to be doing them. Yeah. You know, we know that the league is backtracking on their original statements on them. And some coaches, Bill O'Brien, who is the biggest doofus coach GM in the league, at least came out and said, yes, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to kneel with my players. I'm going to stand by them. And Doug Peterson, in typical Philadelphia, all four major sports front office, gives this very generic, well, we'll see what happens kind of comment. And I really wanted to hear him say yes or no. or I wanted a definite a definitive answer or comment about it, and he really kind of just brushed it off. Yeah, and I, I think he just wants you know he learned. You know, he said he spoke with the players and got their feelings and everything, which is great. You want to be able to you know get their feelings, know what they're going through, know what he can do, and what 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 anybody can do to to help to help and. And yet, kneeling and everything, and you know, doing all that, but it goes beyond that. And doing, you know, I guess you could say, you want to do more. You want to do as much as you can, and everything that you can, to to end it, basically, to end what what's going on, and to try and help any any little thing that you can do, even if it's a big thing you can do. But always ask, and that's what he's doing. Is asking what he can do, and when they're and they're talking everything about it. But that's what you want. That's the starting processes of asking and seeing what can I do to help. What? Let me know. What can I do to help? Which is, which sometimes is the hardest thing to ask. You can always say one thing and say, but to actually step up and say, hey, what? What can I do to help you and help everybody else? What? Especially. Being a head coach of an NFL team, having you know the power. Yes, he he's also white, so having that of authority to kind of be able to use his voice for good and to help. That's what I think is a good. And the, and and the the other thing that I really liked and I saw with the Eagles on uh, tomorrow are going to be closing down the facilities, which it's uh, Juneteenth, which. Um, is a crucial crucial part of ending slavery so that's that's a huge step that i saw them doing and i thought it was very very good that they were they 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 stepped up and they did that yeah to celebrate the, the eagles organization has always been at the forefront of a lot of that stuff and maybe i just expected more of a a direct answer from Doug in his press conference on it yeah. versus what he kind of like said in a dancing around it way and then inside interviews gave him more you know details on it but I, I, I want I, I expect the Eagles to be at the forefront I expect the Eagles to you know be one of the more progressive and I don't know how to say it the right way you know more you know helpful of those, those organizations and uh, I don't know it just it's not like Doug coming out and saying, hey, I'm going to be there with my players. If they want to kneel, I'm there with them. It's not like the Eagles are the type of organization that they're going to just like get rid of Doug Peterson because he took a stance. Because they're always so you know open with that. Yeah. And I, to, me, to me, Doug Peterson seems like, you know, as being the head coach since 2016, he seems like a guy that is going to listen to his players and is going to want to help out and is going to want to do what is right and 
I think that's something. And, you know, he's all, he also mentioned, I don't know if it was during that interview or something, you know, about his, I think he has two sons and about talking with them. I think one is actually a tight end and uh, Louisiana Monroe, um, college tight end. But talking with them and explaining things with them as well. But, you know, it's something to definitely, you know, keep an eye on what he says in the future and, and what happens and what, he, and what they do in terms of helping the situation and... You know, it's 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 something that has to keep going. It's something that one thing that I don't want is to people to all of a sudden say, "All right, well, they did peaceful demonstrations. Now it's over. We can go on with our life." Well, it's not really that. I, I to me, to keep doing the peaceful demonstration, to keep doing it, and keep doing it, and keep doing it, to get it in people's heads that something needs to change. So that's that, that's my thought on it. So. I think that people just keep doing it and keep doing what, what they have to do and to protest and to get their voice out and let their voice be heard. And that's that's kind of what I'll say. And, and it kind of, kind of comes back to with the Kaepernick talk that we had a few minutes ago. You know, this is what Colin was trying to do many, yeah. many years ago. And, and he... It, it, it got turned into okay something that it wasn't. to support it back then. And he, he's been screwed for because of it. And... You know, I, I haven't been an active, you know, social media person for very long, but everybody that does know me for a long time knows I've been supporting him and his his protest or his whatever you want to call it since day one. And it, it's, it's, it's a shame that his career has been derailed because, again, he wasn't the greatest quarterback, but he was a top 20 quarterback at points in his career. We played in a Super Bowl as a starting quarterback. Yeah. So, you know, he, he definitely lost out. On a yeah. lot, and you know, for unfortunately, I'm gonna say it. I didn't get to watch Randall and his years, but I kind of when he was when Colin was at his top, and the way he played, I felt like he was kind of like the newer version, the the yeah, I guess you say the the newer version of a Randall Cunningham type of player. Basically, could run, had could. You know, kind of like a gunslinger, just sling the ball. But you would know more because you watched Randall in his time with the Eagles. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see so. the comparison. I never thought of them two being the same. I think uh, Kaepernick was slightly more athletic and faster yeah. um, than Randall was. But Randall definitely had that gunslinger arm just like Kaepernick and can just bomb the ball just like Kaepernick could also. So, but. yeah, I mean, I, I could see the comparison. But I hope he, I hope, hope he fit. Like I said, like I said before, I hope he gets a shot. And another thing that came out, I think it was today, uh, that Jamal Adams basically is absolutely fed up with the Jets, Jets organization, and just the way they're handling things. And basically, he wants out. He doesn't want to be a Jet anymore. He doesn't want to be a member of that team. He just, he kind of, I guess, he kind of feels betrayed. Um, well, he wants I, money. Yeah, he he wants to get paid, and he doesn't think he can get paid from the Jets. And the other thing with that, I know he he mentioned he, there was a certain I think there were seven teams that he wanted to, to play for. Trying to pull them up now, and I can't I can't find it now. Um, I know it was the Eagles were on there, the Seahawks were on there, the Cowboys were on there, um, the Ravens, the Texans, the Chiefs, the 49ers. Now the things are that if you really you know you go down the list, Seattle. Yeah, but they're not going to have the money. The 49ers absolutely have no money. Now with the news that Debo Samuel's out, he's had a Jones fracture in his, in his, in his foot. Um, 
you know, the Eagles, they do have money, and we'll talk about how they can possibly afford him and everything. I'll go over a couple things. The Chiefs, they're still trying to figure out what they want to do with Chris, Chris Jones, the defensive tackle, so they, fortunately for them, it's not really much money. The Texans, the Texans want to trade players. They don't want to get players, so I don't really know with, with them. The Texans don't really know what they're doing. Like we've said Maybe before. Maybe they'll trade Deshaun Watson for him or something yeah, like probably. that. It sounds like something that Bill O'Brien would do. <laughs> um, the Ravens, I could see it because if they cut Earl Thomas, they could always afford him. And the Cowboys, they could they could always afford him as well. Um, whether they want to, that's the other thing. And same with the Eagles. I know it was mentioned, and I know a lot of people have issues with this potential trade. And it would be like a Jamal Adams for Ertz and, say, like a third-round pick or something. I know everyone loves the, the Zach Ertz and everything, but you have to understand he did turn down a contract. Also, what does his future hold? That's the thing. You know, he wants a contract extension. Dallas Goddard's going to be up for a contract. It's going to be very hard to be paying two tight ends probably 12 to $15 million each. And Ertz is going to want upwards of 13, 14. Four years, 44, 47 million. Yeah. Both Goddard and Ertz are going to get more than that. And the thing is, George Kittle's up for an extension, so his number's going to make it skyrocket. And uh-huh. So that's the thing. I know, I know Ertz. The thing is, Jamal Adams is owed 7.17 mil in 2020, 9.86 mil 2021, so he can be a free agent in 2022 season. So he has those two years. So those two years, you can always sign an extension and maneuver those two cap numbers and maneuver money that way because Ertz in 2020 is owed 12.48 and 12.47 in 2021. So, yeah, I know the 2021 situation in terms of the money and all that. Yes, I understand that. But the other thing is if you were to do something like that, because I know somebody mentioned also about dealing like Goddard and somebody, I, I would not give up on a young tight end like Goddard. Ertz is going to be – Ertz is 30. He's going to be 31. So, yes, I know they got Will Parks. I know they got Jalen Mills is moving over and everything like that. But if you get a guy like Adams, you wouldn't need to then go out and sign another corner and everything. You can always maneuver. And it's something Schwartz wants to do. Maneuver the defensive players. Maneuver, you know, be be very multidimensional in terms of the schemes and what players they're on the field, what they can do. So... 25-year-old franchise safety, all-pro safety is available. Well, first... first I'm not trying to overpay for him. Yeah, first thing I'm going to say is the only team I don't want him to go to is the Cowboys. I would hate to see him get traded to the Cowboys. You know, that is one of the reasons why I would consider all trade options on the table because I don't want him going to the Cowboys. He's that good. But don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It hurts me to to include Ertz in anything. I love Zach well, Ertz. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to get into, though, with the Ertz. See, I, I'm not on board with trading Ertz. But there's a, it's not the reason that most people would think. It's not because I love Ertz. I, I do love Ertz. Ertz has been – he's probably the best tight end in the history of the Eagles at this point. Yeah. You know, no doubt about it. I mean, maybe Dallas Goddard could get there. Brent Selk's got a lot of fans in the city. Chad Lewis does. Keith um, Jackson. You know, Keith Jackson. You know, we can go back and back and all with all the great tight ends. Red Slap. Yeah. yeah the problem with trading Ertz's or Dallas, Dallas Goddard, um, is that we've talked about it a thousand times. Our wide receivers are so big of a question mark on this team. We're going to be running the 12, you know, technique or 12 formation 
literally 50, 60% of the time this year. So if you get rid of Zach Ertz, that means you better be sure that Reger's ready to go. You better be sure that Ortega Whiteside's going to step up. Alshon's going to be healthy by week one or two. Because right now, you need Ertz and Goddard playing and running wide receiver routes from day one. And if you get rid of both of that, or one of those, you're really, really, really hampering our offense. And on the other side, which I didn't write this note down, I just thought of it, I don't know why I forgot, you're also trading away one of Carson's best friends. Why would you want to do that to your quarterback? Yeah, no, I get, I get the whole, you know, you're trading a top target, you're trading, you know, someone who's close with Wentz, but unfortunately, sometimes the business side of things, you know, Yeah, I understand the business out. side of yeah. things. So, but, the, but the thing is, I'm thinking, I mean, I don't want to trade draft picks either, because we've talked about it on here with the cap situation. Yeah. We need young, controllable players. You want your, okay. your draft picks. We need those draft picks, even though Howie has confused us with those picks over the last however many years a million times we still need them because we are cap strapped beyond belief the next two years and i know he's a you know a cap wizard and all but we really need those young players to lower the average age on this team to you know save us money on this team and you're trading away your best receiving option and draft picks to get him that's a hard pill to swallow Oh no! You know, and, and you're no not going to be able to afford him and everybody else. So what I'm thinking is, there's got to be somebody else on the team. I know Alshon has minimal value right now, but he has a big cap hit. But I almost can, I, and, I'm, and I know I'm contradicting myself. You're saying like Ertz in a second or a third rounder. I would prefer to give a slightly better draft pick and Alshon if they would take him, because at least we're saving. You know, Ertz on this team and our and our best target right now. But there's there, there's got to be someone else on this team that's a high cap hit that we can get rid of that doesn't hurt. I mean, what other positions are our strengths on this team? Um, there's got to be something else out there that we could trade. I get, the thing is, I, I can give you a couple names that isn't gonna. The, the problem is, you don't want to trade someone. Brandon Graham. See, I was I, saying, I, I'm not, I don't want to. I'm just. I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head here on this. The thing is, there's going to be dead money attached to it. That's the other thing with big contracts. you got to watch the dead money. I was thinking about defensive end, but I was thinking about a younger player, a Derek Barnett Burnett. type. You know, Joe, think about it. Joe Douglas knows this Eagles roster. He was uh-huh. a part of this of this team for, I think, a couple of years, yeah. two years, I think. And he knows some of these younger players. He knows some of these guys on the team that he helped scout, he helped draft, he helped sign. So... There are players that he could, how he could easily make the call, and I I could see a guy like Derek Barnett. I understand he's Barnett, young. Though the only thing with Derek Barnett is he's not that much because, value, though. He's no, not gonna, I think he's actually got more value than you give him credit for because he's still a pretty solid player. Yeah. But I think the thing with Derek Barnett because he's young, and his price tag currently versus say Brandon Graham, who's older and has a higher cap hit, you're probably going to have to include a pretty decent draft pick with. Derek Barnett. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe a. And I, I'm trying to save those first, second, and third round picks as much as possible. Yeah. No. So, I, I understand that, but the thing is, the Jets are going to want. You know, if, if the if, Jets know our situation because Douglas has been here. But the other so thing they're is, they're going to know where we're hurting, and he's going to, you know, try to use that to a, their advantage and our disadvantage. Yeah, and the other thing is, Jamal Adams is starting to. I understand he's still under contract for this year, and next year, so he basically kind of has to play, but. He could always pull the Jalen Ramsey. Oh, I have a 
oh, my hamstring is a little tight. Oh, my hand. And basically almost forced their hand. Now, the Rams did give up a boatload to get them. So it's not like they didn't get, they didn't get anything. So it, 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 I, I see a team giving up a lot more. So Ertz and even a second round pick or Dirk Barnett in a second round pick, it's not going to be enough. No, there's going to be somebody's going to give up a first round pick and something else for Jamal Adams. That's why I don't think it's going to happen. You know, you can you can even look at a team like Kansas City. I understand Kansas City's their their cap situation isn't good at all, but they have a guy on a franchise tag in terms of Chris Jones, who a defensive lineman that that could fit absolutely perfectly with the Jets. Plus, they can always add in a Sammy Watkins type with more money there and a, a, a draft pick as well. I don't want to start talking about the Chiefs and everything. It's an Eagles pocket. But I, I'm just I, saying. I think, I think, the, I think the, main, the, the most likely scenario is one of the first things you said, and I think it's going to be Seattle that trades for him. I think so. I think he fits Seattle's offense really well. They like his type of player. They need to get younger out there. And I, I think that – I don't know their cap situation. I don't know their draft-ish their situation per se. But I think that's a spot that it'll probably end up in. But, again, we could be wrong. I mean, I'm not going to complain if Hallie brings him in because he's going to make us better no, I'm not today. I, I, I know everybody likes Parks. Everybody likes uh, you know Mills. I think our, our safeties are a train wreck. I, I mean, and our whole secondary. I know we upgrade it with you know, Darius Slate, but I think we did – so much else, or we didn't do anything else on the secondary that really impresses me, that he makes us instantly ten times better. Yeah. But I, I just don't see how they pull the trade off with our cap situation in the future, our pick situation in the future. I just don't see how it logically can happen, yeah. unless how he gets fleeced and ends up giving up too much. Yeah. Which, that's uh, hopefully not. And, th- and the thing yeah. is, to talk about the, um, you talked about uh, with, in terms of the cornerback situation, secondary situa- situation, you know Logan Ryan's still out there. Now he's to me he's more of a slot a slot corner, but he can kind of play the outside a little bit. Um, but there's there's so many free agents out there: Cam Newton, Clowney, Griffin, Golden, Logan Ryan. There's there's a bunch of players out there. But the thing is, with what what Doug said about this is the roster they're going with. So they're basically going to see how these people because they still need a veteran offensive lineman. You know, you it doesn't hurt to get veteran offensive linemen to be backups just in case. And to me, the these players and the thing is, a lot of these players with the, they have in terms of injury issues, so they need physicals, they need doctors to check them out and everything. So that's starting to clear up in terms of stuff opening up, everything like that. But with Doug saying that, hey, we're gonna just go. This is our roster and everything, which. Of course, they like to not give you much information. They're not going to say, oh, no, we need to sign this guy. Anything anything is possible of them signing somebody in the next couple weeks. But if they go to camp, but the other thing is, if they go to camp and there's some injuries, then, yeah, then the veterans who are still out there, then you can start talking about bringing somebody in. So it's they want to go with what they have right now, see what, what they have right now. I understand that. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's a bad decision, but I still think that they have to be aware of what's out on the market just in case, but they definitely need a couple of positions in terms of some veterans, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I talked about Logan Ryan. I don't remember if it was episode one, two, or three. I brought him up a couple times, and you guys both agreed, Jeff, Jeff also, that he was a slot guy. But the Eagles run so many five defensive back sets that if you have a stud as a slot, 
now you're not running out there Sidney Jones and Avante Maddox at the same time. Yeah. And that makes you better, whether we bring in Logan Ryan, whether it's a trade for Jamal Adams. You know, they, they care so little about the linebacker position because of the style of defense that they run. Well, if you're not going to care about the defense or the linebackers and you're going to run a certain style of defense, you best upgrade the secondary. Yeah. Because right now, I mean, you think about it outside of Darius Slay, is there one person on our defense that you have 100% confidence that's going to be a lockdown at their position? No, and, and but I'm going to. No, but Schwartz has enough pieces that he can. Then he did in years in the last two years with all the injuries having a slot corner like Nicole Ro, Nicole Roby Coleman who has been one of the best slot corners the last few the few years, Cravon LeBlanc and you have the, all these pieces. The injury is what really killed them the last two years having to then d- dig dig deep into the so bottom of the injuries barrel. every single year the last couple of years in the secondary and they still won't upgrade to elite talent and this this brings back to the thing that uh, Brandon from Green Green Nation said last week was that. This team is good, but not great. And yeah. it's because of decisions like this, going with the cheap options to bring in has made us that. That's why bringing in a Logan Ryan, I mean, he, he wasn't a cheap piece, you know, three months ago, two months ago when free agency started. But now him, Jadavian Clowney, all the other names, nobody's going to get that big deal because of the situation going on. The loss of revenue that's happening with the, the COVID situation – these guys are going to have to settle for these one-year prove-it deals and hope next year the big deal is there for them. So, I mean, I'd rather sign somebody for a one-year, four or five million dollar deal, have a little less to roll over for next year, yeah. than you know trading a big piece like Zach Ertz for Jamal Adams. Yeah, and the so thing I, I think it's a smarter, smarter play. Yeah, and the the thing is with what they're trying. I'm not going to say they're trying to do this, but. This offseason, in terms of the additions, the one-year deals, it, and they, they kind of did it last year too. But this year, of course, it was a little bit with, with some younger guys. It wasn't guys 29, 30, 31. But it kind of reminds you of 2017, where basically they hit on everything that Patrick Robinsons and Chris Longs and LeGarrette Blunts and Jay Ajayi and all these players, Torrey Smith, and all these guys that they added – they hit on every single one of them. They basically. sold their soul to the devil and hit on every single player so, that year. And they just they just haven't done it the last two seasons. So it's the same thing with the Phillies. The Phillies did that when you know they they they, they hit on Victorino and Jason Worth and you know Joe Blanton. They they hit on all these guys, got their World Series ring, but you hit on all of them one year. You're, you're gonna have like, there's. It's just the law of averages. You're just not going to hit on those guys all the time. It doesn't have exactly. That's why, like you've said, you need to draft players and not draft superstars every round, but you have to draft players who are serviceable. And the thing is, yeah, they did great on that 2017 free agency uh, haul that they did and getting these good players to get the Super Bowl and to you know do what they needed to do. Oh, also Nick Foles was in that 2017 too. So yeah, another get. But the. The problem was... So you need to draft well every year 20, because... 2017 you know, draft. We drafted a bunch draft well every year. The 2017 draft, like, uh, I know on uh, Bleeding Green Nation, they put how that was probably one of the worst drafts of all the 32 teams. And if you look at it, it makes some sense because not... You know, Russell Douglas gave you a tiny bit. He did a little bit, but he's, he was too inconsistent. Sidney Jones... He's just another inconsistent, injured. Derek Barnett has 
showed flashes. It's not like he's been a perennial pro bowler or a perennial guy that gives you eight, nine sacks a year. He's been he's shown flashes of what he can do, but he's been injured as well. The Shelton Gibsons, Donnell Pumphreys. So you had a lot of bad as well. So yeah, but you draft well one year. You let those fifth and sixth round guys that are re- not reaches per se, but developmental guys. Yeah, they have two or three years to develop. So then, in 2019 or 2020, when they should be hitting their their stride, they're ready to go. And then the people they drafted in 2018 and 2021 will be ready to go. And in 2009, you you, you got to set up like it's it's not a quarterback factory, but you got to set up a a program to say where you're developing these guys, and they're just not doing it. You have so to... you're relying on hitting on free agents every year. You can't hit on every no. five or minimum free agent every single year is going to have a career year. No, you can't. And the thing is, with drafting the later guys, you hope that even like third, fourth, fifth, sixth, around that area, and Andy was pretty good at this. You get these guys, they play you know, three, four years, um, some are backup, some get some starting time, and then free agency rolls around. You don't resign them, and he signed almost like what Big V did with the Lions. He signs a huge contract, and then you don't sign as many players, and you work the formula, and you get a compensatory pick for him. And Andy had a lot of compensatory picks that he would have at least, you know, one to two, maybe sometimes even three every year, extra picks. And those extra picks can turn into a decent player a Trent Cole, who was a late pick, a Jason Kelsey, who was a late pick. A Brent Selleck, who was a late pick, that these guys that, not saying those guys were compensatory picks, but I'm just giving a scenario no, of I, I got you. a type of player that you can get somebody, and, you know, they did it when they drafted Jalen Mills in the seventh round. So you get these players that you can try to develop, but when you only have last two seasons, 18 and 19, they only had five picks each of those years. You, you can't expect to hit if you only have five picks. It, it makes it, the, the margin so small. Yeah, that's why I, that's why I'm also struggling with trading draft picks for Jamal Adams is because we need them. We we have zero confidence in them succeeding with those picks, but we still need them because we still got to keep taking swings at these here. Yeah. I mean, again, law of averages. I mean, eventually he'll have a good draft again. You would hope. Yeah. I mean, if not, he's going to be gone as the GM pretty soon here. Yeah. And no, I agree with you. Time will tell. Hopefully, we'll see what happens with the situation. It's, you know, very developing in terms of Adams being unhappy. And, you know, we've speculated that he wanted out. But then when him actually coming out today, you know, it, it, it gives us a new story to talk about. So that's always a good thing as well. But, you know, with that. Uh, I just want to shout out uh, Travis. He's one of our listeners. Yeah. Um, friend of a friend. Met him a few times. Went to an Eagles game with him last year. And uh, he just wanted to, you know. He just told. I just found out through Grapevine how much he loves listening to our show. So I appreciate it. We appreciate all our listeners. We keep saying this every week. Very much thank you. But Travis, thanks for uh, you know spreading the love always online for us, and thanks for continuing listening. Yeah, thanks, Travis. We really appreciate it, and um, absolutely love you listening. Um, love because help- he loves our passion. Hey, he's 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 helping us grow by listening. So we absolutely enjoy that. And, you know, I want to thank Jeff for coming on for a short, brief time. Hopefully he's, in, he's enjoying the boardwalk in Ocean City, I know Maryland. I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for coming on, Phil. But you can follow yep. Jeff at Eagles Pulse Jeff. You can follow Phil at Beard of Knowledge. You can follow myself at JohnnyU9322. You can follow the podcast, All About the Birds, on Twitter at AATBirds. You can follow on, uh, us on Facebook. 
and Instagram. So, um, you know, any any suggestions anybody has, you can always tweet us. You can throw us any message on Facebook or Instagram. Any type of uh, um, questions you got, everything we'll you know we'll discuss it on the show. But you know, with that, I'm gonna say, Phil, huh? Go birds. Go birds. Know what you gotta do. Do it. You feel what's about to happen on this field, man? Get out there.